0: Welcome to the New Grad Physio podcast, hosted by Andy Barker, consultant sports physiotherapist, private practice owner, and the founder of the New Grad Physio. Having experienced his own rapid rise from student to dream job as the head of physiotherapy and rehab at the Leeds Rhinos, just 15 months after graduating, Andy knows exactly what it takes to accelerate your skills and fly up the promotion ladder faster than you ever thought possible. Having previously been with the Leeds Rhinos for 10 seasons, Andy now consults with a number of individual elite athletes within professional rugby, international football and professional dance, alongside running his own successful private practice. Andy built the New Grad Physio to help New Grad Physios, sports therapists and sport rehabilitators just like you, accelerate their own learning and learn the skill sets you need to become a competent, confident and competitive New Grad Physio. As a new grad, there are specific challenges you will face during those first few years and this podcast will deliver you actionable advice you can use to overcome these challenges and start your own successful new grad journey. Enjoy the show.
1: So welcome to the New Grad Physio Podcast. I'm really excited today to bring on the only the third guest ever on the, the podcast. Um, so these podcasts t- t- tend to go really well with, with sort of the guests are on and I'm not sure whether that's people are a bit sick of listening to, to me talking on my own or what, but I know today's guest has a great story. She's a great physio, and I'll, we'll have some great sort of support and advice for you guys as students and new grads. So welcome, Caroline White, to the New Grad Physio Podcast.
2: Hi, thank you very much for having me.
1: So, Caroline, just to kick us off, I didn't, I didn't want to give too much away in the intro um, about, I guess, yourself and your, your story and your journey. So I guess that would be a good place to start if you could tell us a bit about, say, where you studied and, and where you've come through, where you've worked and, and what you're doing at the moment.
2: So um, I graduated in 2007 from the University of Brighton. Um, pretty much graduated at the peak of the unemployment, unfortunately for physios. So it was one of those things where there was probably 600 physio applicants per job. Um, So it was a pretty tough time to kind of graduate as a physio. Uh, So I ended up doing quite a lot of fixed term and bank contracts throughout the NHS. Um, And majority of them were in outpatient physiotherapy was really lucky that my actual very first physio job that I was doing part-time was with Reading Football Club, which was their training ground a mile down the road from where my parents were living. Um, so it was one of those things where I just thought, you know, they're not advertising, but why not? And sent through my CV to um, Reading Football Club and they got in contact saying they were really keen to have a couple of physios um, part-time, particularly um, that was around the school summer holidays to kind of help cover some of the school um you know school boy events that they were holding throughout the holiday period so i was doing that and then like i say managed to kind of secure a couple of fixed term and bank contracts which i kind of did for uh, nearly 18 months and then got a full-time band six job in outpatients um so I was working outpatients and just continuing working for reading and then um was really keen to kind of try and take it on another step further. So went and worked for a private sports injury clinic in London, um, which was fantastic. Um, So saw them and started then to pick up a few other different kinds of sports work. So worked for GB Handball Under-21s. So again, just one of those random sort of jobs I found online and um, was also doing some work for Bucks, so British University and college sports. So it was great. So working with things like Ultimate Frisbee, uh, the surfing championships, you name it, kind of covered all sorts of different sports with them kind of over weekends and in some annual leave. And then in 2010, got a full-time job with Northampton Saints Rugby Club, and went and joined, moved up to Northampton and worked with them for just shy four seasons, predominantly with the Academy, um, but also providing cover for the first team. Um, Probably one of the best days was my last day at Northampton. We won the premiership final. So I don't think uh, people's final days can get better than that. And uh, went and joined Gloucester Rugby uh, with their first team and did three seasons there um, and started doing some work with the English Institute of Sport. So providing some consultancy cover. A lot of that was mainly in the intensive rehab unit down at Bisham Abbey. So I would just kind of take a bit of annual leave off from rugby or during the off season, just really keen to try and keep my multi-sport experience up. Um, and down in the IRU, was seeing things like bobsleigh, cycling, um, various different athletics, um, which was great. And then was kind of keen to explore another sport and a job came up at the FA. And so I've been now uh, at the FA, I think this is my fourth season, working predominantly on the women's side, um, in the pathway, um, overlooking kind of the next future, hopefully lionesses. So yeah. Well, that,
1: that's a pretty uh, pretty comprehensive uh, CV for yeah. my say, Caroline. And yeah, a a fair, page <laughs> yeah, a couple of pages long. Yeah, a lot of different uh, sports. I don't think there's too many there. You've, um, you've not sort of uh, not sort of covered. I think w- one question I'd be interested in is what, what drew you towards like therapy, like physiotherapy? What, what made you want to do that as a sort of career?
2: Uh, I got injured a lot as a kid um, through sports. So my main sports were things like netball. Um, and I also had a horse, so I did quite a lot of eventing um, where my horse was more keen for me to trial the jump, jumping over on it myself, being slung over, broke a few bones. Um, and I think just before I did my GCSEs, I had a pretty nasty fractured dislocation of my thumb and did my scaphoid and ended up having to have a lot of physio, both private and NHS. Just so I could write my GCSEs. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have enough strength to do my English because, obviously, they're pretty long exams. But um, you know, did have enough strength and capacity in my hand to at least write, you know, my maths and science and those other kind of subjects. So, I think it was through a lot of experience of being, you know, on the other side of the treatment couch, kind of was quite keen to understand a bit more about physiotherapy.
1: Cool. And, and I guess in terms of your like transition going back to when you graduated from uni and, and moving into like the real world, working in like the NHS and also the sports stuff you were doing at Reading, how, how did you find that and how did you find that transition?
2: Um, I think I found it really hard. I think initially in the NHS, I think you are so used to having a senior and having someone to kind of have those questions with. I don't know. Part of it is how much when I graduated that there wasn't necessarily really that much senior support kind of four members of staff like myself where I might have only been in one hospital for four months because that's all that they had the funding for so they didn't necessarily maybe invest in me as much as you might want and I think also I didn't necessarily have confidence to push for that I think you kind of go oh my gosh I now don't need to get someone to countersign my medical notes you know I've got this and I know what I'm doing but I think it was you know having a little bit of mentoring at Reading which was great where I started to go oh okay like I've never seen this you know this injury for example before and I had a real eye opening moment particularly when I went to Northampton Saints a couple of years later just hearing about ankle syndesmosis I was like what's that you know what's this high ankle sprayed and um, I think it really drove home the point that you are just at the beginning of your career and how much you need to kind of continue with that learning and get that support.
1: Yeah it's really interesting you mentioned about ankle syndesmosis injuries because I, I had a it's very similar incident myself it was probably like a couple of months after I graduated and, and working in professional sport then and again I had exactly the same sort of aha moment when I was like yeah there's a lot of stuff here I don't know and I, and I generally didn't know what a high ankle sprain was either and I was like I was actually trying to assess one on the bed with a, like an international rugby player, and I had no idea what was what was going on so I know exactly how you felt uh, felt right yeah. then um, so I guess on that what what maybe things did you feel a bit underprepared for, um, I guess, when you did like, did qualify and did your sort start working?
2: I think rehab's a huge part. I think um, we do kind of go through the assessments, we go through the objective tests and there's some you know, really great books out there that if you are unsure about objective tests that you can have a look at and kind of understand a bit more. But I think it's then going, right, let's say you've got shoulder impingement. You're like, well, now what? Um, I didn't necessarily always know how to do the rehab and I think with that and it's something that I'm still very much working on now and you know years on is how you sell that to the athlete or to the patient I think we're not I don't think we're as good as we think we are at kind of coaching um, I think we just tell an exercise and expect the patient or athlete to do it we don't necessarily understand the tone of voice or how we phrase it or you know how we set up that session has a huge impact on that patient.
1: No I'd massively agree with that and um, I think Coaching rehab, like coaching itself, is a profession, and it's obviously we're, we're therapists that way, and we we assess. I think we we treat patients and athletes pretty well, and that's what we're probably known best for. But I think I think where if there's one area of, of what we do as a job we fall down it's put i agree totally it's the sort of rehab side of things, and sometimes I guess that's not because of the exercises or sets or reps. It's it is the application of coaching and being able to show a patient and explain to them, and I guess get across that rationale. And I think as medical professionals, we sometimes make it sometimes a bit more complicated than we, we need to do. using all our fancy medical jargon and all the rest of it, which, again, can complicate in the heads for patients and athletes. And again, might, you know, in some cases, reduce their adherence to their, their treatment yeah. plan and the rehab that they're, that they're doing.
2: I think we also go on courses and we go, oh, I went on this course and now everyone's going to be exposed to what I've learned on this course. And I don't think we always understand and clinically reason what we can take from different things and how, you know, one of the best things that I kind of ever got taught was understand your philosophy. So what am I as a physio? Am I a manual practitioner? Am I a rehabber? Am I, who am I as a physio and what do I deliver? And so therefore you can pick cherry pick certain things to pass on to your athlete or patient. But I think it's also understanding of I'm probably not always going to be just like everyone's not my friend. I'm not going to be the right, uh, physio for everyone. So, when you might need to refer on and go, actually, my style of physio might not be um, appropriate for this patient, and not take it to heart and not go, oh, I failed them. You haven't, you've recognized your limitations and you've worked out when you need to refer on for that patient's benefit.
1: Cool. Um, I guess going back to your various different spots, everything you've sort of worked in, even the NHS stuff and private stuff. If you were going to pick out, maybe it does have to be one, but some of some of your like career highlights so far, what would you say? You mentioned obviously the Premiership final, which again, as a as a last day of work at uh, Northampton, must have been a pretty pretty good day and a pretty crazy yeah. weekend and evening after that. But um, what other things have, you, have sort of stood out for you?
2: Um, I mean, that's definitely one of them. I think one of the other ones was um, at my time at um, Gloucester. We had a player who you know, had a real significant knee injury. He did his ACL, LCL, PCL, popper fossa, ITB. Um, I think that was it. And, you know, he got dropped from a line out. And the rehab journey that I think myself, him and the SNC coach went through was unbelievable. I think that really drove home to me why I'm a physio and what I can try and help with those players. Um, you know, we were going through a lot of emotional highs and lows as practitioners as well as the player himself who was going through it. Um, and I remember we got him just about, got him back into like non contact, some small sided games. And then he did a grade two hamstring. And honestly, my face and the SNCs' faces, like, I think we were probably more heartbroken than he was because we were so close to getting him back. And we just didn't necessarily time certain things just right. And which is why we think he did his grade two hamstring. But when he then eventually got back onto the field of play, that was for me a real kind of huge career highlight because of what we kind of went through, kind of as the three of us. And also, personally, I did my ACL about a week after him. So, you know, there was a lot of him doing his rehab. I was doing my rehab as well at the same time. Um, so, that was definitely uh, another kind of career highlight, but, you know, some dark moments as well in that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but um, I, some of my highlights. I like won't go into those on now on this podcast or anything like that, but a lot of mine are very similar. So whilst one of my early career, I guess, particularly in sport, having the successes with some of the teams that I've worked with and the trophies and stuff, which I guess I sort of wanted to do like working in sport. But again, whether that's similar, similar to you at Northampton, having some success, um, my highlights probably after that have more been similar sort of like journeys with, I guess, more difficult um, patience even in private practice and also with sport I guess you go on like say you, go, you do go on a bit of a roller coaster journey don't you with with players and, and generally those you know really complex like say like knee injury like you had there uh, you know it's never, a, never an easy ride from start to finish and you um, I think, but I think you do get more. I guess I, I take that every day now, other than the trophy, and that yeah. might I got for someone listening, that might, might seem a little bit bizarre. Um, but it's, I guess it's that that connection you have and that journey you're going on. It is, it is very fulfilling, isn't it, when you're able to get them back, um, back sort of playing. And I guess that, like, I think you you mentioned it sort of perfect how you said that's probably why you became a physio in the first place to sort of help people out, and it's it's great when we can do that.
2: I mean, I've been so lucky that, you know, a lot of my career, especially with, you know, young rugby players, like under 18s, under 20s, you know, when I look now at like the Lion squad or the England national squad seniors, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I've worked with a lot of those players, you know, and I've only made up, you know, a tiny percentage, you know, I've only helped them a tiny, tiny percent, but it's so cool. It's that long-term lasting thing. You don't get that immediate, you know, whoosh, you know, I've done that. It's great to see in the years to come, you know, you've played a small part in their journey and that's really, really rewarding.
0: Hope you are enjoying today's episode so far. Just wanted to take a break and make sure you haven't missed out on Andy's latest free resource, Five Steps to Fast Track Your New Grad Physio Career. It will show you five simple steps you need to accelerate your learning and career as a new grad physio. It is packed full of clinical and non-clinical advice, including the missing career skill university didn't teach you that is stopping you getting better job roles more opportunities and better pay as a new grad physio it's andy's most downloaded resource and you can get it completely free just by visiting newgradphysio.com so make sure you check it out now let's get back to the podcast
1: so next up Carlos, we want going to ask you about i guess another transition we've talked about your transition from uni and you first started working but what about the other transitions and you had quite a few within different like sports and I'm particularly interested about your transition between like rugby and football obviously it's two very different sports uh, and how you sort of found that
2: I mean it was yeah not only different sports but also different genders so I would say 95% of my work up until that point have been working with male athletes and then suddenly um it was all pretty much female other than the occasional men's camps that you cover and stuff like that. So that was a real eye opener of different injuries, seeing kind of female athlete health as well that you're suddenly dealing with. I think sticking kind of with the sports, um, you know, it was also kind of club to national team, you know, club level, you're with the players day in, day out, you know, you get to know each other and become a mini family, whereas at national team, there'd be a couple of months where I wouldn't see any players or just have off the road contact. So that was very, very different. But um, yeah, with rugby, it was also just the field of play. You know, I was used to tracking up and down, you know, on the pitch, you know, running on at moments notice, doing what I needed to do, you know, being very quick, my triaging and then getting off the field where suddenly in football I'm at the, ref- the um, uh, referee's discretion. You know, if they want me on, they're the one who has to call me on. I can't, go on just because I feel like it for you know if I think there's an injury reason so that was really hard but also just how often you're on you know I don't think there was many rugby games that you wouldn't have run onto the field of play to deal with something Um, where football it would be pretty rare that I would have to run on for a player so that was a definite kind of big eye opener and I think also just the physicality of the sport is so so different so I mean that was just understanding the game and I'm not a big football person I think my you know pretty embarrassing moment on my first camp one of the players was talking to our physical performance coach and said oh yeah I'm a bit sore from that volley in in training and I thought she had a head injury she's like no volleys off your foot and like the look she gave me (laughs) definitely told me I need to maybe work on my football knowledge a little bit more so you know it's just that understanding of the different sports really
1: and you mentioned there before you're talking about you've like you prominently worked in i guess male sport did you come across any challenges i guess working particularly probably in rugby uh, as a i guess as a female working in yeah. a male dominated sport not only with the players but like the majority of the staff tend to be be male as well
2: yeah i mean the players were so so welcoming i don't think you know in, what seven odd years or so I never ever had an issue from any of the players they were all you know incredibly respectful you do end up turning into a bit of an agony aunt sometimes I think you know a lot of the time being one of the sole female practitioners there uh, you know one of two or something like that I think it quite often we're able to kind of bring down a bit of the testosterone I think it kind of quite often you know turns into a lot of bravado and stuff like that and you know all for one for joining in with it but I think I did find sometimes the players were more willing to open up to me, maybe about certain things going on at home, or just you know, just having a bit of a chill out. I think it's quite hard, isn't it, for anyone mentally you're always kind of up here, you know, screaming and shouting at one another. I think it was sometimes quite nice to have a different vibe, and also someone approaching at it a little bit differently. Um, so no, I think it was you know, majority of the type is all really kind of really positive and stuff like that. So
1: that's great advice because. I you know we were talking sort of off air before we jumped jumped on the top sort of podcast, and you know, I, I work with a lot of what females in the in my membership, and there's sometimes a little bit of apprehension about about going to work in predominantly very male-dominated arenas, if you want to call them that, with with the players and, and the staff, and clearly there, Caroline, you've shown that you know, obviously you've done it um, in various different places, and you know it's not nothing to I guess to be fearful or worried about in terms of a. A career as a as a female in sport?
2: Yeah, I think the hardest thing is understanding that the rules are different for you. And, you know, and by that I mean that, you know, like our male masseuse would quite often go and play PS4 or whatever with a couple of the players and no one would think anything of it. Whereas obviously I don't play PS4, but if I did, you know, that would suddenly, even if it's completely innocent, that would be seen so, so differently. So I think it's kind of understanding that yes I am a female so I'm just not going to put myself at any risk of someone having making a remark or something getting misconstrued so it was always you know being professional with the players having a laugh and a joke with them when you're in the work environment but being clear that you're there just for work environment I wouldn't go down the pub and have a drink with them or you know a lot of that rugby time was when I was in my 20s and you know in Northampton and Chelton's quite a small towns, so you would regularly see them on nights out and stuff like that. So you'd always say hello, and you wouldn't be rude or anything. But it was going, no, this is I'm not letting my personal my professional life any point kind of merging, because unfortunately there is still that horrible negative thing of, oh, you know, are the females there for? Are they distracting players? You know, are you trying to sleep with one of the players? And it's just being really clear of, I've got no interest in that. I'm here to do my job. And just being very clear with that at all times
1: So through your career color and you've clearly been able to create a lot of opportunities for yourself and that's shown by I guess by your extensive I guess CV of, of where you've worked and everything else um so why do you feel you've been able to do that and what maybe some of the reasons you've been able to successfully I guess transition from different places and, and and find these and get these other opportunities and you know go go for some jobs and I'm sure there will have be been hundreds of applicants for some of the roles that you you've gone for and 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 got what what's maybe um I know this is quite a tough question because I know you're gonna be very modest but what what's what helps you to maybe set yourself apart from other people
2: I think because I was really conscious early on that I didn't want to specialize in one sport I wasn't I knew I wanted to work in sport I didn't know exactly what sport I wanted to work in Um, and so I was always really keen to go well let's try different things and I think trying something like you know books instantly you're exposed to loads and loads of different sports but also different practitioners um so it was almost kind of using that and exploiting it a bit for networking you know so going oh okay speaking to this doctor and then they mention something about oh yeah well we're advertising for a job down at this place at some point and you instantly start hearing about things on the grapevine and you become a known quantity and although I wouldn't like to think I got it on personality, you know, because I was a known person. But you do, you know, you do get more exposed to those opportunities a little bit more, and you know they know whether or not you'd be the right fit for a team. So I think that certainly helps to a point. But I think also, like I say, trying different sports shows I'm not afraid to learn and kind of I'm able to bring something, for example, into football skills I've learned in rugby. You know, at the end of the day, we're still dealing with a human body whether or not it's a different what they do in a scrum to you know maybe you know in football kind of they're doing certain kind of passing drills or something like that I'm able to hopefully bring different positions in um, and skills that I've learned maybe over that time I think it's okay. constant curiosity really
1: yeah no that's great if you would go back to your I guess student days and if you could prepare yourself a little bit better for when you did graduate what what might you do differently
2: um, <laughs> some of it would probably listen a little bit more in lectures and don't fall asleep. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's, um, I think it's making sure that I didn't get so narrow minded in some of the placements. There were a few placements that I did just see as tick boxes, um, and that was why I was really glad that you know I got an opportunity when I went into the NHS to try some of those stuff that I did on placement, like ITU on placement and then put it a little bit more into practice as a qualified practitioner because I think a lot of people they go they want to work in sport whether or not they know that as a student or as a newly qualified therapist I think there's so many skills that we can take from different disciplines and stuff like that you know like IETU I got very used to putting in different kind of oral adjuncts or nasal adjuncts which is then used in pitch side trauma care you know suddenly I don't feel you know too nervous about that because I've been exposed to that when I was kind of um, qualifying, which is a great thing, skill to take into, you know, now into sports. And likewise, even just seeing, you know, like your frozen shoulders, you'd see a fair few of them maybe in MSK outpatients. But I've also seen a couple of them in athletes, you know, after they've had shoulder surgery and things haven't gone so well, there's been a few complications. So I think it's been a really good skill set, um, you know, going through those placements. So I probably wish I just exploited them a little bit more and took. You know better chance of those opportunities.
1: Yeah I probably concur with that myself and I think yeah sometimes we can I guess if I guess if you know as well a little bit about maybe where you want your career to sort of head up head in you know a certain direction for, for like myself who for, was sort of sport and sometimes maybe you close off other other areas but again when you look back and hindsight's obviously a, a wonderful thing you yeah. can see how much you can take from those other opportunities that you've had whether it's a placement or, or another sort of job role yeah. um but probably you just don't notice it at the time do you
2: no i mean even like some of the sports like gb handball. i think back to that i was sleeping in a photocopier room it's the only female traveling with an all-male team like they were the boys were all sleeping in a classroom and i was sleeping in a photocopier room so i could have my own privacy but you suddenly get used to going it was just me and two coaches that was it and now i compare to you know at the fa we've got a, a staff team of around 13 with your your average age group 11 to 13 staff members so you get that exposure of going okay I need to pitch in I need to understand everyone else's roles which I think is so important you know there's always things that you can transfer from different sports and things like that and different experiences.
1: Cool so Caroline what what advice would you give to a student or a new grad wanting to take their I guess their first steps towards their their own dream job?
2: I think it's ask questions um, you know I don't know many people out there who aren't you know like I'm always willing to help ask and answer any questions or help out where I can you know I think it's try and understand why do you want to get to a certain role so why do you want to work in sports what is it that attracts you to that role is it working in acute injuries is it the rehab Um, And just being really clear around what you want to kind of achieve from that end goal, let's say, and then how you can break that down. So do you kind of work for your local academy team where you get a chance to do, be mentored and kind of get used to having some sports exposure, but at the same time you're building up your patient mileage, whether or not that's in a private clinic or in the NHS. Um, So I think it's just constantly ask questions and be curious.
1: Well, that's some, some awesome advice and, and I guess just to sort of finish up what's, what's next for you Caroline in terms of what's going on in the next weeks and months uh, that follow and any sort of plans for the future?
2: Um, pretty hard what with Covid I think everything's kind of very much up in the air um, one of the projects that we're kind of working on in the football association which is my main project is around acute injury management Um, so I think we get really guilty of just slapping ice and compressing every injury but actually if you look at the research behind it there is next to none Um, so we're just kind of looking at how we can, what adjuncts we should be using in acute injury management and coming up with some protocols on how to try and shave off a bit of time when we can get those players back on the pitch
1: I look forward to seeing that and that might (laughs) might help help me out a little bit as well some of the players that I work with so I will look forward to, uh, to seeing that but um, just to sort of finish up, Caroline, I just want to say a massive thanks. I know, you're, I know you're busy with your with your role at the FA and everything else you're doing. So I really appreciate your time to jump on the, on the sort of podcast. Um, and often speaking before, if anyone does have any particular sort of questions, um, you know, for, for Caroline, if you want to sort of um, ask them through me. So if you contact myself, uh, Andy at newgradphysio.com or just hit me up on any of the sort of social media channels. So just to finish you up, I just want to say thanks again, Caroline, for, for joining me, giving it your time, and thanks for all your help and advice. I'm sure that the guys listening will would say the same. Cool,
2: no worries. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Andy Barker's New Grad Physio podcast. If you've enjoyed this content, you will love his website, newgradphysio.com which is packed full of free content to help you, a new grad physio, sports therapist or sports rehabilitator overcome the specific challenges you face day to day in your clinical practice, working in the NHS, private practice and sport. Here you can get links to all his other podcast episodes, read all his blogs, find out about his book and his upcoming courses and the new grad physio membership. You can also download Andy's latest free resource, Five Steps to Fast Track Your New Grad Physio Career. It is packed full of clinical and non-clinical advice, including the missing career skill university didn't teach you that is stopping you getting better job roles, more opportunities and better pay as a new grad physio. Get access to all this by visiting www.newgradphysio.com. The New Grad Physio was built to help as many new grads as possible, So if you have enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review and even better, tell someone else about it. Enjoy the rest of your day, whatever you have planned, and here's to the start of your own successful new grad journey.